The Automotive News Europe podcast is brought to you by Hyundai Motor Europe, one of the leading providers of electrified mobility solutions in Europe. From hybrid and battery electric to fuel cell vehicles, Hyundai is paving the way to make environmentally friendly mobility available to all. Hello, and welcome to the Automotive News Europe podcast for April 1st, 2021. I'm Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor of a e Thanks so much for joining us today. Vitesco Technologies was on its way to becoming a standalone company in 2020, but those plans got sidetracked by the pandemic. Vitesco CEO Andreas Wolf and his team used the unplanned delay to solidify all areas of the business to make sure it is ready to be spun off by Continental later this year. Wolf says that Vitesco's goal is to consolidate the powertrain market, putting a special emphasis on its solutions for electrified cars, ranging from mild and plug-in hybrids to full electric vehicles. While some analysts have cast doubt on whether Vitesco can be a success, Wolf explains why he thinks the supplier's biggest challenge will be keeping pace with the huge number of orders it anticipates in the coming years. Hi, Andreas. Thank you very much for joining us today for the Automotive News Europe podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure for me. Thanks for your time. Vitesco is unique because it's a new player by name, but with a very long history. Could you tell us about the reason Continental decided to spin off Vitesco and how this idea has proved to be very timely? Yeah, first of all, we have a long history in, in powertrain. And then the decision was made to initially do a partial IPO and then later on go to a spin-off. The reasons are the following. First of all, when you are standalone, you are by far more agile. Uh, you can more easily adapt to the overall changes in the market, changes like towards electrification. And then also we want to actively consolidate the powertrain market and we can do that uh, even faster and easier once we are standalone. That were the reasons for Continental to say it's better to spin that business off and let it run separately. What is the current state of the company and what are the next big steps that you're going to be taking? I would separate that in, two, in a twofold uh, answer. First uh, is that from an operational point of view, we are already separated. There's only a couple of things which will be added by mid of the year. Then we are fully separated. That, that's the one operational stream. The other one are the more formal steps. You know that we got the official OK in the supervisory board. On March 16th, now we have the annual shareholder meeting in front of us, end of April. We also expect a formal OK then. And then there's a couple of more legal steps to be done until the listing. So in a nutshell, next really important step is end of April and then obviously the listing event itself. How confident are you that Fitesco will be able to tap into investor bullishness toward non-traditional automotive entities? 
I'm convinced that looking uh, to a couple of factors that, that we are really well placed. L let me briefly elaborate on that. First thing is that uh, from our strategy, from our vision, we are targeting the electrification part of the powertrain business. And this part is significantly growing over the next years. Significantly means for me more than 30% year over year during the next years. The second portion is that our position inside that market is extremely well. We are working inside that market since one and a half decades, heavily invested into it, and we have the broadest or one of the broadest product portfolios to serve all types of electrification. For me, the third point is that already back in 2019, we clearly uh, defined our plan, our vision, and then the, the bold steps which were needed to make it happen. And fourth point is from a fi pure financial perspective, we can self-fund our profitable growth. So all that together shows that we think that we can be very lucky to be part of Itesco Technologies. You recently had your Capital Markets Day, and one analyst in particular, Evercore ISI, signaled concern about the phase-out of your legacy plants and products, such as those connected to the diesel. The firm also said, and I quote, the mood on powertrain suppliers has only gone from bad to worse, end quote. How are you going to be able to tackle this? I don't really understand that comment. Because I think we clearly have shown that we are a young and a new company. We feel like a startup. We are serving a new market, which is significantly growing in the area of electrification. So the, 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 the context is not correctly shown. I think the context is that we, we have heavily invested into a new market of electrified powertrains. We have brought a lot of innovations to that market. Now that market is growing, we are well positioned. I don't understand why that should be negative. And if, if you go into the details um, and understand the mechanisms behind, you will clearly see that we have a nice future in front of us. You have spoken with me about the plan that you have to address that issue with the legacy plants and the legacy products. And when we spoke, you mentioned that you folks have already taken some steps to speed up that process because you've recognized that the diesel is being phased out of the market even faster than anyone expected when you initially made your plans. Are you still confident and do you still feel very good about your plan and how you will step-by-step step move yourself away from legacy products? Yes, I still feel even very confident uh, because I'm somehow proud to say that already back in 2019, we saw the trend away from the combustion engine and we already at that time defined the bold steps what we are doing. Obviously followed by, by, by a clear communication internally and externally. And um, this is all built also into our financials, into our balance sheet. So we have a concrete plan um, how to phase out the business. That's what we call the non-core ICE business and at what speed. Now the speed is a little bit accelerating, but that does not change the overall precision, so to say, of our initial plan. So I, I don't see 
currently any any obstacles or any changes from a from a bigger perspective in regards to our initial plan. We've also spoken about some of the challenges that you face, just like any company coming out onto the market. We're in the midst of a pandemic. We've had Brexit, just a whole array of challenges. What do you consider at this moment in time to be the biggest challenges for Fidesco as it becomes, as it grows its own feet and starts making its future? Yeah, the, the biggest challenge. So I don't think that the market is the challenge. I don't think that our ability to adapt to the market uh, is the challenge. What, what, what I would uh, see as a challenge is that we might be overwhelmed by the speed of the electrification itself. Because when I, when I joined back in 2018, end of 2018, the powertrain division, we had a plan how the electrification might move up. But now we see basically every day that those plans might accelerate. That's very good for us because in a nutshell, I can say the sooner electrification comes, the better for us. But you also have to handle all those projects. And that might be the most challenging point in the near future. means really this year and next year to absorb and embrace all the new projects which will come. What are the most frequent requests Vitesco is getting from customers? Is it for more 48-volt mild hybrids or for plug-in hybrids? Or are they even more motivated at the moment to go full electric with your help? If I look to the order intake in the last month in the area of our business unit electrification technology, I would say that two-thirds was more on the high-voltage side. And high-voltage is the hybrid architecture and obviously also the battery electric vehicles. But the market is is manifold, so to say. Depending on the regions where you are, we have the 48-volt uh, mild hybrid systems, we have plug-in systems, uh, plug-in hybrid systems, and we have battery electric vehicle systems. But I see a tendency of going towards high-voltage applications. What we can offer and what we have but uh, we see a strong tendency towards higher electrification. Higher electrification means for me a plug-in hybrids, but also battery electric vehicles. And you folks have done a really good job mapping out or explaining how as the amount or as the electrification demand increases, you see a great opportunity for the company to also increase its content per vehicle. Could you walk us through that a little bit? Uh, that's a very interesting point because sometimes the discussion about the the market itself is stopping uh, talking about the percentage of penetration of electrified powertrains. But this is only one part of the equation. The other part is that you have to look into the so-called content per vehicle. Content per vehicle means the possible uh, theoretical sales you can have for one specific car, so for a combustion car. And I took the reference of 2018, let's take 500 euros, and then looking into a 48-volt system, looking into a plug-in system, looking into a battery electric vehicle system, this possible sales per car moves significantly up. So we talk up to factor 5, compared to the 500 euros I mentioned before, for a battery electric vehicle. And this, in combination with the increase of 
the electrification penetration gives us a huge market potential. We'll continue our conversation with Fitesco CEO Andreas Wolf after this message. Hyundai Motor is one of the leading providers of electrified mobility solutions in Europe. With hybrid, mild hybrid, plug-in hybrid, battery electric, and hydrogen fuel cell vehicles, Hyundai offers the most diverse lineup of alternative powertrains on the market. Under the vision of Progress for Humanity, the company aims to make high-quality, environmentally conscious mobility solutions available to all. Today, more than 75% of Hyundai's lineup in Europe is available as an electrified version. As a pioneer in zero-emission mobility, Hyundai offers a range of leading emission-free vehicles. It ranges from the full-electric subcompact SUV Kona Electric to the second-generation fuel cell electric vehicle Nexo. The company's progressive spirit is most strongly embodied in Ionic 5, its latest all-electric vehicle and the first model to be launched under the Ionic lineup brand. With outstanding range, ultra-fast charging technology, and unique interior, which functions as a smart living space, Ionic 5 is redefining electromobility lifestyles. With its fleet of fuel cell trucks, Hyundai is also ahead in zero-emission heavy-duty mobility solutions. By 2025, over 1,600 Exient fuel cell trucks will run on Swiss roads. To learn more about how Hyundai is shaping the future, tune into Are We There Yet?, an automotive podcast hosted by Susie Perry. Get a peek behind the curtain as Susie investigates the world-changing ideas coming out of the workshops, labs, and secret test tracks of Hyundai. Tune in on any podcast listening platform as well as Hyundai.news. How much of a tailwind does a company like yours get from emissions regulations? That's a very interesting question because what we see, what moves the electrification in the different regions into, the, into this direction? So what supports the growth of that market? And we, we see different, different cases here. One, one case is that consumers like those cars. They, they want to do something for the nature. They want to have clean uh, mobility. On the other hand, and that is more in Europe the case, it's pushed by regulations. The Euro 6, the Euro 7, the Euro 8, whatever will come. And the more stricter those regulations are, the more electrification gets a push. Therefore, current tendency is with those regulations being stricter and stricter every day, this gives a tailwind for the overall for the electrification business. Your customers are also starting to set goals as to when they will be full electric. We've seen it from Volvo. We've seen it from Ford in Europe. We've seen it from General Motors. This also has to be very encouraging. And I would imagine that before they made those announcements, they probably had some conversations with suppliers like yourself to say, okay, we're about to do this. Can you help us achieve these big goals? It's extremely motivating and also obviously interesting to see what our our customers are setting as targets. And you mentioned some of them and some even saying that by 2030 or 2035 only battery electric vehicles or electrified vehicles will be on the road. Or with other words, that the combustion engine will be completely banned. We, we see uh, the same trend in some countries 
because it's sometimes working hand in hand what our customers want and what some countries say. And there are many countries saying already today, and that's not only restricted to, to Europe, we will ban combustion engines by 2030, by 2028, that's the earliest one I know, by 2035 uh, in, in our countries. And therefore, seen from our perspective, from our vision, from our mission, from our strategy that all goes into the into the right direction and we can only tell our customers we are ready we can help you we will we will implement your strategy with the technology we have on hand and to do this one of the things that might get lost in the shuffle as we talk about the new technologies is that when you entered into the business it was a very mechanically focused combustion engine focused company. Now it's changing. How are you going to tap all of that knowledge and expertise that sits at your fingertips and sort of adjust it and massage it in the right ways in order to have that same kind of forward motion when it comes to your electric powertrains? That's a very interesting question because the, the assumption from many people and also customers sometimes is that we are heavily mechanically focused which is not really true. So the part of mechanical products we have is relatively small because we come more from, let's say, functions and electronic control units, from software, from electrical engineering, etc. So the number of engineers we have are, I have to guess, 75% of them are engineers in the area of software, electrical engineering, system engineering, and so on. So the mechanical part is the smallest one in our engineering base. And therefore, we are convinced that we can use the whole engineering base. We don't have a problem to bring everybody towards electrification. And by the way, also electrical drives, an inverter, the, the e-motor, and so on, they, they are mechanical products. So we need also mechanical uh, engineers. And therefore, the, the transformation is relatively smaller than it might be for, for others. And therefore, we are so convinced that with what we have planned so far, the transformation, that we are good on track. What steps is Vitesco taking at this moment to help its customers cope with the ongoing shortage of microchips? Yeah, that's a real issue. We were all surprised by the steep increase of automotive uh, production uh, numbers we could not, could not imagine uh, back in 2020, mid of 2020, when the industry was basically uh, down, combined with other impacts in the market, like the consumer industry pulling out capacity due to what we are currently doing, uh, remote meetings, etc., so that forced the, the whole automotive supply industry and the automotive industry to um, being forced now, or, yeah, being in front of this shortage uh, situation. So what we are doing is we are uh, the biggest um, customer in the automotive electronics area. So we use our, our presence at all relevant uh, suppliers to make clear that we should be the priority one on their list. That's one thing. On the other, th on the other hand, we know that 
we have to backfill the production lines and we have to ramp up the capacities and we work in many cases to pull in, so time-wise, to pull ahead uh, the supplies of, of our supplier. And by this, we are trying to support our customers and work them through until we have better supply, which is expected for uh, the second half of 21. Andreas, I have to say a deep thank you for taking the time to join us today on the Automotive News Europe podcast. Thank you very much, Doug. We reached Andreas Wolf at his office in Regensburg, Germany. If you have an idea for a future podcast or would like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at dbolduck at autonews.com. For breaking news, please visit europe.autonews.com. You can listen to this podcast and a range of others from the Automotive News Group on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play, or on our website at europe.autonews.com. That wraps up this episode of the Automotive News Europe podcast for April 1st, 2021. I'm Doug Bolduck, Managing Editor at A&E. Thanks so much for stopping by. We hope you'll tune in again soon.